There is an ancient Indian parable told about three blind men in a room touching an elephant. The first man was holding the elephant's leg and said, I think an elephant is like the trunk of a tree. The second blind man was holding the elephant's trunk and said, I think the elephant is like a large snake. The third man said, an elephant is like a great wall while touching the elephant's side. Each man was convinced um, by he was right and, and others were wrong without ever realising that they were all touching the same elephant. Or so the story goes. Many people today believe this to be an attractive interpretation of religion. With the idea being that there are many interpretations about faith, many ways to God, many gods. It's all about personal interpretation. Jesus tells us three more parables after last week's first parable of the soils. And as we shall see, he gives us an entirely different take on the way to God. Much is hidden in these stories today. First we can see hidden but still flourishing. And we may be forgiven for for looking for a new story after last week, a a new image, a a fresh approach. But but no, we have the same one again, seed in the ground. Jesus is not done with with all the nuances of this one yet. There's more to farming than meets the eye. And that's exactly the point. It's, It's ordinary, isn't it? Ordinary again. The parable is nothing special really. There's no fireworks, there's, there's no lightning. It's just a farmer planting seed. It happens all the time. It's simple, isn't it? It's a, it's a simple everyday farmer spreading the seed which is still God's word as it was last week. And isn't the farmer's rule somewhat mundane in this, isn't it? Look at his responsibility. He sows the seed, but after that he does basically nothing. He sleeps at night and he rises in the day. He he leaves it. He carries on with the ordinary matters of life. And all the while the seed grows. Under the ground. Out of sight from everyone. The farmer is of course again the preacher of the gospel. The sharer of the good news. The one who, who tells God's word to somebody else. And isn't there a sort of everyday expectation to this? This is not a super Christian. This is, this is an ordinary one like you or me. He spreads the seed. He serves in, in, in that way because that's what's expected. And he carries on with life. The farmer's rule is marked by the mundane, the everyday. But also do notice that it's, later, it's marked um, because of inability as well. His rule is, is noted for his inability. The earth produces by itself it says that that word in the original is like automatically without human intervention without human effort he isn't isn't making the underground stuff happen this farmer it's hidden under there and it's happening by itself he can't make it happen once he's sown the seed it doesn't need the farmer anymore it contains within itself The wherewithal, all the stuff to bring forth the crop. It's it's a miracle really. We just are so used to it that we we often take this for granted. It's the miracle of of creation. The miracle of nature. 
And the parallel, of course, is clear. God works through his word to bring about a miracle. A miracle of of regeneration. In the Jewish mind, planting a seed is like burying the dead. Putting things into the ground, covering them up. And then the miracle of God happens as it springs to life. The farmer's work is not just marked by by the the mundane or, or inability, but also by patience. Do you see it? Look at the stages of the crop that that is produced by itself. First the sprouting, then the blade, then then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. It's not a one stage thing, is it? It's several that God works in the individual who receives the kingdom. We could talk about uh, what the reformers would have called the order of salvation here. I you, you could talk about that. You know, it's election, effect of calling, uh, regeneration, conversion, justification, adoption and, and future sanctification. The process of God's working grace in those who believe. But, but think less of that this morning and more like along these lines. It encourages us. Uh, often when we hear stories of, of people in, in India or South America who, who hear the gospel for the very first time and they respond right away with full com- commitment. But uh, in our land today, the stories I hear tell me that that isn't very common here. It's possible, but it's not very common. More often, more often it's a slower thing, isn't it? It doesn't, doesn't make you any less a Christian if it takes time. Uh, of course, it, it isn't wrong to, to count the cost. God can work slow. He, he can also work fast. He, he can work whoever he wishes. Some people uh, who write about these things speak about a process. Like a, a 1 to 10 that applies uh, in people who, who come to faith. And say 1 is their first point of contact with uh, the message of, of the cross of Christ. And 10 is, is, when, is their point of conversion. And I think that's helpful. Because maybe, um, this, is, this is our neighbour you know, over the back fence. And we, we get into a conversation with him or her. About the change that, 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 that our life has taken since we became a Christian. Since we, since we knew the Lord Jesus. And, and you... And you begin to see sort of lights coming on with them, you know? And and you're praying for them and you're thinking, maybe, maybe this week they'll come to faith. Maybe. Maybe they'll show a desire to come with me to church. I've invited them. And this week comes and this week goes and nothing appears to change. And you're disappointed and and feel like giving up. Next time I'll not be so forthright, you know. But the fact was... That they were only at stage three and you sowed the seed and God moved them on to stage four in the process. And, and, and so, so we should be encouraged. God is at work hidden from view, you know. That's, that's, that's what's going on this morning. I tell this to the invitation team to encourage them. We're probably talking about a process, you know. And let's be, let's be witnesses, let's be winsome in the process uh, so that, that God leads people on and, and not back. Things are just different today, but I, I refuse to be negative in that regard. How, how many people were part of the process in the Ethiopian man that, 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 Paul, that, that sorry, Philip meets in Acts 8? 
before Emat Philip. Who knows? But of course, the trouble with thinking about a long game tends to make us think that we could sort of not really push that hard and relax and be on the spiritual beach, <laughs> as it were, taking it easy. But do notice, do notice, there's urgency here. Look at verse 29. When the green is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. You see that? The, the sickle's coming, the, the, there's a reaping coming, the, the, there's, the, the wheat is going to be raised to eternal life and the tares to fire that's eternal. We work while it's day, for the night is coming when no one can work. You see, we don't know how God works behind the scenes and we don't know when the harvest is. And so we sense the urgency. The farmer's role is is marked by the mundane, by the inability, by patience and and urgency. But also notice the, the ignorance of the farmer. Okay, Look at what he doesn't know. Verse 27. The seed sprouts and it grows. He knows not how. He hasn't a clue how it works. He's no idea how the elements all come together. He just knows that it does. John 3 verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes. And you hear its sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Sometimes you know the least likely people. The people you think are as far from the kingdom of God as they could possibly be. Are the very ones who by God's grace reach stage 10. And the angels rejoice in heaven over their salvation. And we say God's at work where we least expected it. We didn't even know. And that's the nature of it. It's it's like the story of revival in China. You know the missionaries were expelled in the 1960s. The borders were closed as as communism takes hold under Chairman Mao. The hope for the gospel seems to have all gone. I mean, what, what chance is there? And yet... When everyone expected there to be no church left whatsoever, when the doors opened again to the West slowly in the 80s and 90s, what we discovered was not a decimated church, but a church that had seen incredible growth. How did it happen? To everyone's surprise, it had exploded in growth. It was supposed to be dead, but it was more alive than ever. And we don't know how, but we can say that God was at work behind the scenes. There's much mystery to how God is at work. Especially in in the ushering in of his kingdom uh, in the world for for the original audience here uh, as they listen to Jesus. I mean, they've they've much less to go on than us. Because they've got the mystery of the cross to come. That that great conundrum that's going to really puzzle them. What's going on? It's going to be in the ground and look to be dead. But it's actually more alive than ever. It's actually flourishing. Hidden but still flourishing. Secondly we notice that hidden but later worldwide. This is the story of the mustard seed. The mustard seed is the smallest seed uh, that, that farmers and gardeners of Jesus day used. It's so tiny that it's practically microscopic. I looked it up and mustard seeds grew into mustard bushes. Which I'm told can reach 30 feet tall. That's some potential from the tiniest of seeds. 
that you can barely see between that man's fingers. Important to always consider the original audience when you read the Bible. Okay, It's for them first before it's for us. Important not to just read ourselves into the text like we're there. Okay, We, we come later. The original audience comes first. And Jesus has a message here to his listeners. Your expectations, he's saying to them, are out of sync. They had ideas of what the coming king, the the promised Messiah that they'd been longing for right through that Old Testament period would, would be like. Jesus is saying, the Messiah is not going to come like that. He's not going to come with glory and might and everybody's not going to see him. He, no, no, the inauguration was going to start really small. Very, very small. When he was conceived in his mother's womb by the Holy Spirit. God's chosen king is microscopic. When he's just an ordinary looking son of a carpenter. And his brothers see nothing special in him. When, he's, when, he's walk, when he walks up uh, to, to John the Baptist by the Jordan and he stands in the queue with everybody else. And nobody knows who he is. But it's not always going to be that way. Jesus is saying it might seem small right now. But it might seem even invisible. But prepare for growth. Incredible growth. Growth in the kingdom. You remember Daniel 4? We've been going through Daniel in the evenings, haven't we? And Daniel 4, we had this dream from Nebuchadnezzar. And this is what he says. The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth. And its height was great. The tree grew and became strong and its top reached to heaven. And it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant. And, its, and it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the air lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. You see, the dream and the parable are the same. Nebuchadnezzar is talking about the same thing that Jesus is talking about. And in a coming day, it's going to be massive, the kingdom of God, Jesus is saying to his original audience. It's it's not going to be quiet it's not going to be a Messiah for just the Jews and that little part, that little piece of land in Palestine. It's going to be for the Gentiles too. It's going to be, for, it's going to be worldwide. Prepare for growth. Think about it. Think about the church today. We're worldwide, aren't we? When someone asks you, where's your church based? You say, the whole world. Because that's the truth. That's the truth. I've met people in recent past who, who thought that, that they could only use their bank card in a cash machine in an ATM that was owned by the bank that, that they banked with. So if it said Danska on the top of the card, they could only use it in a Danska bank machine. They didn't know that it was a bigger system than that. Holiday season, of course, is upon us. And many of us are looking forward to a break. I've met people who, who don't think they can go on holiday and use their card uh, in, the, in, the, in the bank machine over there. They think they need to carry all the cash with them uh, in their pocket on the flight. But the truth is, it's worldwide. You know, MasterCard and Visa, they're, they're, there's not a city on the planet that you can't use them in. The banking system is, is worldwide. It's much bigger than you think, if you think it's small. 
Great to see some of our young people going out on mission teams this summer. And Jen and Adam are, and the not so young as well, uh, David and Karen. We send you out as, as our own. We send you out as our own. We send you out as farmers, as, as seed spreaders. As those who carry the, the news and, and then allow God to do the work. I believe that I gained much of my appreciation for the bigness of God uh, on mission teams in my early 20s. I, I realise he's, he's not just based in a, in a Baptist church in Balamina. He, he's worldwide. He's, 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 he's the same God in, in, in Kenya and China. Uh, and that really impacted me. You see, the small seed is going to take over. Despite adversity... Even because of adversity, even because of persecution, it grows. Soon it will reach its glorious culmination of those messianic passages in the Old Testament. Soon when he comes for a second time, the Lord Jesus, it will be for every eye to see. Don't feel small and insignificant in this little corner of Dundonald. No. We're not just the one beside McDonald's. We're bigger than McDonald's. You know that? We're the, we're the, the, the largest lasting organization on the planet. We are. Everything else passes away. Everything. The kingdom of God does not prepare for growth. And the reason is that God is at work by his powerful word. That's the reason. Hidden but still flourishing. Hidden but later worldwide. And finally, hidden but soon revealed. The third parable is actually the first one that Mark uh, speaks about in his account here in chapter 4. It's the first one in the order that he uses it. Jesus in verse 21 tells a story of of a lamp. And Jesus asks an obvious question. The answer is not hard. If you have a lamp, what do you do with it? Do you keep it hidden? Do you put it under the bed or under a bowl or under a basket? No, you don't do that. <laughs> no, no, nobody does that. That's a waste. No, you, you put it up high. You, you, you get a stand if you have one. And you get it as high as you can so that, so that all can see it. And so that it can see all. And the light then reveals hidden things. There's several levels to this, okay? Jesus the revealed, first of all. Jesus the revealed. Because, of course, up until now you'll remember, to our surprise, that Jesus has been sort of keeping his identity hidden. He, he hasn't allowed the demons to say who he is. They wanted to. He, he's, he's had to silence them. He's the power to do it. Uh, he, he's told the former uh, leper uh, not to tell everybody. And that didn't really work out very well. For good reasons, which we saw in previous um, passages, Jesus is keeping his full identity from the people. But not for long. Not for long, because soon he will be revealed. Soon he will speak plainly about who he is. By chapter 14, it's, it's public. The high priests asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. You see the reference there? He's talking about the the future. Soon he will go publicly to the cross. 
Of which he said, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He's like, he's, like, he's like a lamp on the stand, he's being lifted up. And everyone will know about it. Think about when Paul appeals to King Agrippa in Acts 26. And he says this, For the king knows about these things, and to him I speak boldly, for I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. Everybody knows about him by Acts 26. Jesus is the revealed. And secondly, he's the revealer. Jesus is revealed, but, but, but is he the lamp in, in, this, in this story? Is that the sort of way it works? If we look elsewhere in the Bible, it says that uh, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. God's word is a lamp. God's word shines deep into our hearts, doesn't it? The lamp is like the same as the seed that's sown. It, it makes us realise that we're, that we're not good, that we're not worthy, we're, that we're broken, that we, by sin we need a solution. But there's also a very real sense here that Jesus is the lamp. He's the one who's soon to be revealed, but he's the one who's going to reveal himself. He is the light. I am the light of the world, Jesus says in John 8 and in John 9. And that's, of course, not a problem because he is the word of God. That biblical link that goes between Jesus and the word of God on paper. Verse 25 sounds strangely like the rule of capitalist economics. You say, what are you talking about? (laughs) The rich get richer and the poor get poorer. You see it there in verse 25? For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. What's going on there? Well, it's a little bit like last week. This is again an issue of hard hearts and response. To those who surround Jesus and to those who in the future will respond like they did. If you don't be faithful with what you have, if, you, if the privilege of God's word leads you to close your ears to it, then even that will be taken from you. But if you allow the light to penetrate, God will take up residence in your heart and give you more and more understanding. Verse 24, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It's like saying, the closer you listen, the more understanding you'll be given. If you come with a big cup, then you'll go home with a, with a, with a large cup of, of grain. But if you come with an egg cup or a teaspoon, you'll go home with less. It's a heart issue again. Jesus shines his light into the heart. He, he sees deep into people like you and I. Let's go back to that room with the four blind men and the elephant in it from the beginning. As the world searches and and groups around in the dark. Let's put the light on. He's the only light in the room. He's the light of the whole world. John says in his first chapter. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. It's not that the religions of the world are are absorbed into the kingdom. And it it sort of grows by mergers and, and get togethers. I kind of... Dumbing down the, the, the message so we can all agree. J- 
to the world it makes no sense that the Presbyterian Church is taking its stance. Less people will come to church, that makes no sense. Why reduce your appeal? Because God works in the light. He works in the obedience to, to his word. Jesus is the light in that dark room with the elephant in it. He shows things as they really are. But of course, even if the light's on and you're blind, you still can't see. And you need God. That's the truth of this ancient parable. We're all blind, we can't see. Revelation is, is not just word. It's not that you need to have ears to hear. It's also you need to, to, to have spiritual eyes to see. The lights. God shows the way. And it's only one light. It's by him. The team aren't going to South Africa to affirm folk religion around them. Or ancient practices. And to say, you know what, there's many ways to God and, and we'll all just fight. No, there's one lamp. That's why the kingdom grows. Through the one message of the one light. And he involves us again. We're, we're, we're bearers of the light just as we're sowers of the seed. Because Matthew 5 verse 14 says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. It's a similar story, isn't it? Don't, don't hide the light. Don't think negatively. Don't be discouraged by, by lack of conversions or lack of obvious revival. God is at work in ways that you cannot understand or even see. He works in the hidden places of the heart. He's at work worldwide and we're so very big. Our church, you know. Prepare for growth in hearts of people that are not saved. Prepare for growth in the world. Prepare for growth in our own hearts. The Bible speaks of a day when the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. But we're not there yet. We handle special seed. The, the potential is in the seed. The, the power is in the seed. The, the, the growth is in the seed. The kingdom grows because God's at work. God's at work. By his word. And we bring the light who is Christ to the people. God's at work in all of it. Prepare for growth, Jesus says. Prepare for growth. The kingdom grows by the word of God. Let's bow together as we pray.